Amen. If you have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to open to Psalm 139. Uh, so whether you turn your Bible on or you open it to Psalm 139 uh, is where we're going to be. You know, the Atacama Desert is over in uh, northern Chile, and it's just right along that South American region uh, along the Andes Mountain. And the, and the Atacama Desert is, uh, scientists believe, the driest spot on the planet Earth. All right, now, the Atacama Desert l averages less than half an inch of rain a year. Okay? I mean, let that sink in for a second. We in the Houston area average about 50 inches of rain a year. They average less than half an inch of rain in the Atacama Desert every year. That is a dry, dry spot. And this morning, you might feel like the Atacama Desert. You might feel like, man, that, that's me. I'm dry spiritually. And what happens that causes dryness in our, in our lives spiritually is sometimes pain enters into our life, or maybe it's pressure. Uh, there's anxiety, there's doubt, there's worry, there's, there's something that happens within us that causes us to be distant from God and causes us to just be spiritually dry. Now understand this about spiritual dryness. When that happens, God feels far away. All right, you, you feel disconnected from him when dryness enters in. You don't feel like God is there anymore. When you read your Bible, you're, you're just not really getting anything out of it. You don't feel like your prayers are being heard. You don't feel like they're being answered. You just kind of, you know, just feel blah all the time spiritually. But the thing is, is this, and, and this is good news, because understand dryness happens to all of us, okay? So, so if that's you this morning, I just kind of hit the nail on the head, and you're like, yep, all right, you're not alone in that. We all go through that as believers in Jesus Christ. Actually, periods of dryness are very normal for us, all right? Because reason being is life is not just all a straight line. Life is not all life on top of the mountains, to follow Jesus, it's hills and valleys, right? And sometimes those valleys are deep and they're hard and they're dry. But the good news is this, God doesn't want you to stay in dryness. God wants to restore you. God wants to refresh you. God wants to revive you. God wants you to bring you out of that dryness. But you have to do something. All right, there's not just sitting back and waiting. You've got to work at this. Because the Bible tells us in James chapter 4 that if we draw near to God, God draws near to us. All right, so part of this series, that's what we're going to talk about. How to draw near to him in dryness. How to pursue him. So I'm going to ask you to do three things this morning. I'm going to ask you, everybody take three actions. Here's action number one. I'm going to give you through this message three biblical promises that you can rehearse to yourself that I want you to write down, all right? So for all of you, grab a pen, get your, you know, phone and open up the note app, and I'm going to give you three promises that you can rehearse every day when you hit that spiritual point of dryness that are from the Bible that's going to help bring refreshment, all right? So I'm going to ask you to do that, number one. Number two, I'm going to ask all of you at the end of the service to take out the welcome card, and you don't have to put your name on it, but I'm going to ask you at the end to write down a prayer request, all right? What we're going to do with those cards are over the next three Wednesday nights, we're going to pray for you, all right? And then you give us one of these, we're praying for you, and the reason being is the part of finding that spiritual refreshment again in your life is allowing people to pray on your behalf. 
It's allowing people to serve you that way. So I'm going to ask you to do that. All right, those of you that are worshiping with us online this morning, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Write those promises down, and then at the end of the service, scan the QR code or go to heightschurch.org connect. That's going to take you to our website. You click the prayer button, and then you write down a prayer request. Thank you for those of you that may have done that already at first service. We got some in for that. And then number three, I'm going to ask you this morning, and I'm going to call you, if you do not believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior of your life, to receive him as the Lord and Savior of your life. All right, to come to know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All right, now, how do we come out of spiritual dryness? If that's you this morning, you feel dry, feel like God's far away, disconnected, how do we find refreshment? Let me give you the first promise uh, that you're going to write down, and this this promise, God knows everything about me. All right, it's right there on the screen. God knows everything about me. This morning, write that down and start rehearsing it in your mind. God knows everything about me. He says in verse 1, O Lord, you search me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Verse 5, David writes, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. God knows everything about you. Notice what David says in verse 1. He says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God, you have investigated me. All right, if you think about this, some of you go to the doctor every year to get a, a checkup. And the doctor says, all right, we got to look at what's going on all with inside of you. And that's what David's saying. God, you've given me a spiritual checkup top to bottom. You have the most powerful MRI machine known to man. Lord, you know everything about me. There's nothing about me, God, that you don't know. You have searched me. You have tried me. You have known me. But notice also in verse 3, he says, you search out my path in my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. David says, God, you, you know when I'm sitting and watching Netflix on the couch. You know when I'm up and I'm in school in the hallways or I'm at work. You know everything about me, verse 3 says. God, you know everywhere I go and everything I do. Notice verse 4. He says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Verse 4 means this, before you post it on Facebook, before you text it to a friend, before you say it, you tweet it, you TikTok it, God knows it, right? I mean, when you pick up that phone and you're about to fire off that text at somebody that made you mad, God knows what you're about to say before you type it, right? Before the word comes out of your mouth, he knows it, right? He knows everything about you. I love verse 5. He says, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. That, that word's there, you hem me in. Your translation may say, you encircle me or you enclose me, right? You hem me in, you encircle me, you enclose me from behind and before. Your hand 
is upon me. God, there is no place I'm going to go. There's nothing I'm going to do. There's nothing I'm going to say. There's nothing I'm going to think that you don't know about me. You know everything about me. You need to know that biblical promise this morning and rehearse that in your mind to find refreshment in periods of dry seasons. But let me ask you this. How do you feel about that? What comes to your mind? How do you feel when it says, you know everything about me? How does that make you feel? You know, for, for some people, quite honestly, it, it may make them feel trapped. Well, that makes me feel trapped. That makes me feel restricted. That makes me feel like God's spying on me. Like, this is Big Brother stuff. Hang on, right? This is George Orwell 1984. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I, I don't know about this, right? I mean, God, God knows me that, that detailed and that well. Like, oh, whoa, whoa. That could be your reaction this morning. But if that's you, let me ask you this. With all that knowledge God has of you, with all the knowledge of all the good you've ever done and all the bad you will ever do, what has God done with that knowledge? What's he done with the knowledge of knowing you top to bottom? You know what the Bible says he's done? Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that while you were still a sinner, he sent Jesus Christ to die for you. You know what he's done with all that knowledge? John 3, 16 says, for he so loved you, that he gave you his only begotten son, that if you would believe in him, you would have everlasting life. Isn't that amazing? That with all the knowledge of all our good and all our bad, with all that, God says, I want to be with you for all of eternity, and I'm going to make a way for that to happen. That's how much God loves you you. He knows everything about you. This morning, know that biblical promise. Rehearse that in those spiritual moments of dryness. But let me give you the second promise. Not only does he know everything about you, but that God is always with you. All right? God is always with me. God is always present with me. Verse 7, David picks up. He says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I descend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be about me, or, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is, is bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. God is always present with you. Right? You need to know that. God is always present with you. He knows everything about you. I love what David says in verse 7. Essentially, David in verse 7 is saying, God, if I want a little me time, right? I just want a little time away from you. Just, just want to focus on me for a minute. Just want to work on me. Where can I go to get away from you, right? I mean, that's what verse 7 is. Lord, if it's just one little me time to get away from you, where do I go? And he answers the question, what is it? Nowhere, right? You can't get away from God. God's always present. There's no spot of God's creation that God's not, 
right? And, and so he's always there. He's always around. He's always present. And so David says in verse 8, if I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go to Sheol, which means the grave, you're there. So if I go up, you're there. If I go down, you're there. You're always around me. God, you are always with me. But notice verse 10. He says, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. I love that. I love verse 10. Let that, let that sink in for a moment. Even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. What he's saying in verse 10 is he's reminding us of this. There's not a situation in your life. There's not a moment in your life where God is not. God is always with you as a believer in Jesus Christ. He's not going to leave you for a second. He's not going to leave you for a moment. Right? So some of you think about that, though. And you're like, well, wait, whoa, whoa, hang on. And, and we just talked about it earlier in the prayer time. Twin Towers, 9-11, 20 years ago. Where was God in that moment? Where was God when I got cancer? When was God when I had the car accident? When was God when I had the you know, miscarriage? Where was God in all those moments? Right? Because sometimes we have this idea where it's like God's over here getting a Coke, and he turns back around. He's like, oh, man, I didn't see. I'm sorry. I turned my back on you for a second. My bad. I didn't know that was coming. He's always there. He's always present in all our goods, in all our bads. So in all those moments I just listed of all the hard things, he's there. In all the good moments of your life, he's there. He's always present with you. You know, when it, when it comes to talking, um, there's a lot of research that's done that really studies how many words uh, a day women and men use. And there are a lot of studies done on this of you know, how many words women say and men say in a day. And, and I don't mean this mean, okay? So do not email me about this later. Don't text me, okay? I don't mean this mean. But we can take a guess which gender uses more words than the other gender, right? And the research shows it's women who talk more in a day than men do, right? Hey, amen, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. Okay? But guys, we're not that far behind. A recent study shows that uh, women use about 16,000 words a day. Men use about 15,000 words a day. All right, So guys, we're not that far behind. But as one person pointed out to me at the end of first service, she came up. She was like, you know why we have to use more words, right? I was like, no. She was like, because we have to repeat ourselves to you guys so many times. <laughs> I was like, you know, you're dead on. <laughs> I was like, because there's times in my house where Sandra will give me a list of things to do. And she's like, hey, can you go get this and get this out of the fridge and get this? I'm like, yep. And then I stand up. And before I walk out of the room, this happens more times than I care to admit. And she'll go, stop, look at me, and tell me what I just said. I'm like, uh, you know, no, I repeat, right? And that just actually happened uh, just the other day. <laughs> yeah. But you know, out of all those people who talk to you every day, who talks to you more than anybody else? You know, who, who talks to you more than anybody in a day? It's actually you. You know that? You talk to you more than anyone else talks to you every day. 
See, every day you have a running dialogue in your head about you. Every day, all day long, you're saying something to yourself about who you are, what you do, what's good, what's bad, what's going on, what's working, not what's working. Every day, we all have this running dialogue going on in our lives. And so one thing to do in the dry seasons is to have what I say sometimes, you got to have a little church with yourself. You just got to say sometimes, you got to get some things in your mind and have a little church. Now, here's the great thing about your little church in your mind that you can have. You're always going to like the music, right? No one's going to sit in your seat in your little church. The sermon's going to be right on point in length every time. And here's the message you need to have in your little church. You need to go over the biblical promises I'm giving you right here. You need to tell yourself in that running dialogue all day long when the spiritual dryness comes, God, you're always with me. God, you know everything about me. Because here's why you have to do that. Because your feelings are going to tell you something different. When you are spiritually dry, you are going to feel like God is far away. You are going to feel disconnected. You're going to feel like he doesn't love you. You are going to feel like he doesn't hear you. And so you have to understand your feelings do not determine God's truth. All right? I'm going to say that again. Your feelings do not determine God's truth. Okay? Students, did you get that one? Because you're a generation right now that kind of gets that a little bit backwards. Just because you feel something is right doesn't mean it's right. You have to come to the source of truth, which is God's word. So in those moments where we feel spiritually dry, God doesn't love me, God doesn't know me, God's far away, it's time to have a little church. Time to go over those biblical promises in your mind. No, no, no. God knows me. God is always with me. And here's the third one. God is my wonderful creator. God's my wonderful creator. He says in verses 13 through 18 this, he says, For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, in the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. The third promise is this, that you need to rehearse. God is my wonderful creator. I love verse 14. He says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. All through the psalm, there's this undertone of praise happening. In verse 14, it is struck loudly. He says, I praise you. And understand this, in the times of dryness, keep reading your Bible. When you feel spiritually dry, keep worshiping the Lord. Keep showing up to church. Keep praying. Keep doing those disciplines that God has given you to use. 
Right? You just don't sit and wait for him to change the circumstance. You put something into this. As you draw near to him, he draws near to you. And so we're going over those promises. And he says there, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made by you. Students, I want you to get that this morning, that God loves you and has made you special. Don't let anyone else tell you that. But he says in verse 17 this, and I, these are my two favorite verses out of all of the psalm, 17 and 18. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Love verse 17. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. You know what's amazing to me about that verse? Is David says it simply this way. God thinks about you more in a day than you think about you. And we think about ourselves a lot. But God thinks more about you than you think about you. Just stop and think for a moment. Psalm 147 verse 4 says that this is the God who puts all of the stars in the sky and he names them. The God who spoke everything into creation thinks about you more in a day than you think about you. The God who parted the Red Sea in a day thinks more about you than you think about you. The God who raised Jesus from the dead thinks more in a day about you than you think about you. Think about that this morning. God knows me more than I know me. God is always with me, and God is my wonderful creator who thinks about me more than I think about myself in a day. See, when you rehearse those biblical promises, in those moments of dryness, refreshment is possible. Revival is close. You know, in, in 1650, there was a, a theologian by the name of, of Robert Frost, and and he wrote in a book this kind of famous saying that's, that's gone around. And, and yes, if you uh, have watched The Dark Knight, Batman used this one. But it's really 1650 by a theologian. But it says this. It said, it is always the darkest right before the dawn breaks. It's always the darkest hour of the night right before the dawn breaks. And today you may feel spiritually dry. And you may have that pressure and that pain, and that weight, and that stress, and that anxiety all on you right now. And you may feel like it is dark, but there's good news. The dawn's coming. It, it's about to break. Light's right around the corner. And this morning, while you're in that dry period right now, understand that can be a blessing because faith is built not on top of the mountain. Faith is built in the valley. Your faith is built in the pain. It is deepened in the hard times, not in the blessings. The blessings and the revival are being enjoyed. Right now, if you're dry, you're in a position where God is helping you build and strengthen your faith to enjoy him more and more. And so this morning, rehearse those three biblical promises this week. When the dry periods hit, just tell yourself over and over again, God knows everything about me. God is always with me. God is my wonderful 
Creator. I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message. And I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus asks a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead. And we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, did Jesus do everything he possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is he the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day he will take you to be with him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today, right where you are, to receive them and believe in him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him, in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you. If you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page. And we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you soon.